0: You have a few very strong bets and then you're just doubling down on those ways to acquire customers.
1: I wouldn't even say doubling. I'd say it's like a fucking jillion down. (laughs) I think that's a little bit of the difference is that we'll go extreme on the things that work. We'll try a lot of things that don't work. And then when it does work, it's okay, let's do this to be a limit. I'm Pep
0: I don't do fluff. I don't do filler. I don't do emojis. What I do is study winners in B2B SaaS because I want to know how much is strategy, how much is luck, And how do they win? This week, Noah Kagan, founder of AppSumo, a platform for digital marketplace deals focusing on software, aimed at entrepreneurs and small businesses. They have bootstrapped to over 80 million in revenue. Noah shares insights on scaling business by focusing on what works, the importance of staying true to your core values, and the strategy behind AppSumo's success. Discover how AppSumo thrived where others didn't, why focusing on the customer always pays off find out how AppSumo navigates competition and continues to grow by doubling down
1: on effective strategies let's get into it at app a few different things happened to me one in my previous startup i was doing payments and infrastructure stuff and everyone treated me like crap <laughs> yeah. we don't care about you we just want more customers so that's the thing that people really want as customers i try to think about What's what areas or categories I liked working in and it was software that was just the area where I was like excited about and then I saw in another vertical that's something that I think is missed out on what's happening in another country maybe Estonia that's not happening here Mm -hmm. or what's happening for females so it's actually a marketing thing I can talk about we saw in the female category and even recently for AppSumo I saw that Mac software was doing these deals I was like huh that's interesting Mac software deals maybe I could do web software deals gets people customers and it works in an area which is software deals which I like. And then that was the opening. How do you get to 10 million or 100 million or beyond? Part of it is being in a category that just grows or that's already at that size. And I think that's the thing that really helped AppSumo. We just had so much tailwind from software going from 10 products to a million products in the past 15 years. That that was the opening. It was just that I saw this thing. I didn't know how big it was going to get, but I thought it was going to get bigger. And I, I think that's a core part, which is what's not obvious that becomes obvious in what you're working on.
0: And people always want deals. Groupon just <laughs> eventually failed. Why did
1: Appsumo succeed when Groupon did not? So this is a common problem in a lot of businesses, which is you stop doing the core really well. So if you think about Groupon actually crushed, and by the way, Groupon is still worth half a billion dollars. So that's a pretty good fail. I would mm-hmm. take that as a fail. Yeah. And it's a worldwide universal brand. So as much as I think from a Silicon Valley Cinderella story, it's still a massive W in my book. And Shout out to Andrew Mason, who's now founded Descript. That led him to now do Descript, which is a huge success. With AppSumo, a f- I would say two core things. And I think Groupon could, could have succeeded as well. One, we were very strict about what's a good product. Uh, and I still do shop at Absumo here and there. Yeah, but it got so distracted with so many different crappy things. So I think that's one of the core issues they had. And, and with AppSumo, we've done that a few times, but really we've stayed true. Like software, that's awesome. Good price for solopreneur. That's been 15 years and we've stuck with it, which not a lot of people think about, which is success takes time. So for everyone out there, one, find something that you're sticking with, but also really understand, are the economics of your business advantageous? The classic business advice is don't compete on price. Absumo is
0: all about low prices. W- why couldn't there be another deal site that with even better prices? Or,
1: and probably there were many, right? How did that play out? I would say specifically with AppSumo, we took it serious. And I don't know if that sounds obvious or it sounds a little strange, but a lot of people treat their business like hobbies. And from after about a year, I treated it like a hobby for the first year. I was just playing around. And then after a year, we brought on some advisors, Andrew Chen, this guy, Simon Siminski from Speed Date, Eric Rees, and these people that have very high standards. And it was like, wow, let's focus on it. I think that was a big differentiator for us. And so that's something for other people out there. like, How competitive are you? And I think what we still ask to this day is how would someone kill us today? not literally, fi- figuratively. Yeah. And then reflecting, okay, what are your weaknesses? Here's an example in another area. So I make YouTube vi- videos where I interview billionaires and they do well. Now there's a guy, Pat from Starter Story, who I, who I like. He's a good friend, good guy. He's focusing on people that barely get to a million. And it's so cool because he's competing with me in a sense for attention mm-hmm. and audience, but he's going at an angle that I'm just not interested in going, nor do I want to. And he's doing really well there. With AppSumo, we were always concerned that someone was going to compete with us on WordPress. The WordPress market is gigantic. It's a billion dollar market. And so I thought someone was going to do WordPress deals. So we did try it and it just never really took off that well for us. And then we were worried about some geographies. But over time, as we kept taking it more seriously uh, and we just stayed focused on like good deal, good price, uh, it did well for us. Now, one of your things you commented on, I think is really interesting, Pep, which is What are our values? I am about low cost, high value. I'm not a bougie person. Just for AppSumo, that's something that we've stayed true. And I always love Jeff Bezos quote around that, which is someone's margin is my opportunity. So I think we stayed just very focused on taking it seriously. Good quality products, very affordable prices consistently. I don't think there's enough sexiness about longevity and consistency in business. It's very sexy to get rich fast. It's very sexy to get a lot of subs. It's not sexy to say, hey, you've done it for 10 years every day. But that, I think, is part of the, the success of the future. Noah mentions the Jeff Bezos
0: quote, your margin is my opportunity, in reference to Amazon's devotion to low-cost, high-value decision-making. This is similar to Bezos' proven method that areas where competitors enjoy high profit margins represents opportunities for Amazon to compete by offering lower prices, more efficient operations, or better customer service. Essentially, Bezos sees competitors' high margins as a chance for Amazon to enter a market and capture market share by underpricing competitors, thereby providing greater value to customers. Noah has applied the same methodology to gaining
1: customers with high quality deals. Every time we've gotten distracted with different competitors, in rear view, it was never as bad as we seem, and it's always better to focus on the customer. Every single time. I'll give specifics. When I started AppSumo, one of the competitors was Stack Social. Do you remember them? So their whole model was oh, yeah. similar kind of deals, but they would get distribution by going to reddit.com or dig.com and say, hey, put up a deals page and we'll power your deals page. That was a really good distribution strategy for them. What happened though, is that we then, as partners were coming on AppSumo, we said every partner without going on AppSumo would then go on Stack Social right afterwards and, be, and they would be competitive against us. So then we decided, all right, if you come on AppSumo, you're exclusive for a year. You cannot go on Stack Social and that is part of our agreement. And so you would see that Stack Social then ventured into drones, like cheap Chinese drones or enterprise software. And we stayed focused, same customer, solopreneur, same products. And we made exclusivity with the people that would come on us. Stack Social then succeeded with their kind of like smorgasbord of random products on their site. But that was a competitor at a time. Almost all the competitors were never as scary as it seemed. And it was always a distraction. We had Facebook groups be competitive. So these Facebook groups would go and get deals Promote it in their thing, and then people would buy it. And a lot of times, these Facebook groups would come out of the Absumo audience. It would be Absumo people who the Sumolings who loved our deals, but start talking about them in a Facebook group and say AppSumo sucks, and they're screwing the founders. Which we don't. We really want everyone to succeed. But they would just make all these claims about us, create their own groups, get be affiliates of us, so we would actually pay them to promote the deals. And then they would start just growing the group. And then eventually they would start launching their own deals uh, and then just shitting all over us. That was a threat for some period of time. And how we combated against that is one, those people were generally complaining a lot the most. And then the partners were realizing, wow, promoting in here is really toxic. We stopped paying them to compete with us. We don't allow our affiliates to now promote other deals. Did
0: any of your core strategic choices ever change? So let's say after hitting uh, 1 million, did it change compared to early days? After you hit 10 million, did anything change?
1: I think where we've gone strategically incorrect is when we lost focus on the core customer. And our core customer, we have two because it's a marketplace. It's a software creator anywhere in the world that's creating software for solopreneurs, and it's a solopreneur that buys that software. And we've been very focused. There's a lot of competition outside of that space, and we have gotten strategically distracted. We built software for the solopreneur, which was called Sumo Me. But then we were like, let's go to Shopify. Then let's try to get the Atlantic and the New Yorker to use our software. And it really distracted us as a company. And it did fine in the beginning, but eventually we flatlined. And then we came to a realization. Let's just go back to our core, which is like promoting software deals. Another big mistake that I made was two years ago. I said, software deals for solopreneurs is great. We have 600. What would happen to the business if we had (laughs) 6,000 at AppSumo? And this is the thing I teach in million dollar weekend as well as we we have as part of our core values is test and invest. So instead of going from 600 to 6000 we could have gone from 600 to 650. And I didn't listen to the team, I did not listen to the customers and we got to 13,000 products in about 6 months. And then I spent a million dollars cash promoting it, giving it out to people. Our revenue did not really increase, our complaints of customers increased, the amount of trust decreased our profitability decreased, everything went in the opposite direction. Now, in terms of the inflection points, one, it's the team. So I haven't done a deal in 10 years. So who are the people that are really running your business and how do you pay them astronomically? I've had people now on my YouTube team quit and I was like, I should have just paid them so much more because these are the people that are really could create their own businesses. So pay them whatever it takes, pay them seven figures. They're generating millions. I think people are way too cheap in hiring. Secondly, people are not doing enough of what works. And I know this is the advice people don't like to hear because they want me to tell the secrets. But the real secret is what's working and how much of it are you doing? Every time I go to someone's business, I say, how have you gotten your customers? They, tweeting. OK, you tweet. Great. How many times a day are you tweeting? I, I do once a week. OK, why not 10 times a day? And for AppSumo, we had areas that worked like ads. We tested it. It worked. And then affiliates tested and it, it worked. And then now there's a, a business intelligence team, which is a million dollars a year to run for the salaries and the software dedicated to really around those two areas, just scaling out our ads and scaling out affiliate. The second part is what's working to grow and how much of it are you really maximizing? And I don't think people are actually going to the limit.
0: So you have a few very strong bets and then you're just doubling down on those ways to acquire customers. I
1: wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't even say doubling. I'd say it's like a fucking jillion down. (laughs) I think that's a little bit of the difference is that we'll go extreme on the things that work. We'll try a lot of things that don't work. And then when it does work, it's okay, let's do this to the end limit.
0: This right here, find things that work and then really focus on it. 80% exploitation, 20% exploration. It's amazing to see how Noah dismisses the notion of doubling down, he jillions down. Focus is about multiplying the effectiveness of your effort concentrating action and resources. Pretend next you focus on what works. It also means saying no to most other things, things that kinda work or maybe work. This means you don't just become more effective, but you also get more efficient by stopping wasting resources like time, money, and attention.
1: I would say as we've gotten, to go from like the maybe 10, 15 million or, it's hard to put exact numbers, but to go into almost a nine figure number, I think there's a level of sophistication in understanding decisions versus intuition. And again, most of this, people just need to get their first dollar. And it is funny, people tease me almost. They're like, no, why do you teach in million dollar weekend can like basic shit? And I'm like, this is the basic shit that built an almost $100 million a year business. But people want the secret stuff. And I'm like, that is the secret, it's simple. But what I would say is, as you are getting to some of these higher level numbers, my intuition is pretty wrong most of the time. So an example of this is, I thought our products were too expensive for a new buyer. Lower the price, increase the conversion rate. Ideally, more people get the product and more people find out about it. So intuitively, I told the team to drop all of our entry price points for product. And instantly our AOV, our average order value went down, and we lost a few million dollars on my intuitive decision. (laughs) That's how you go from eight to nine figures where you're not necessarily doing new things, but you're understanding your decisions and you keep improving the core of your business. So many times we want to do the new thing And only do the new thing if it improves your core. And I'll give you one more example of this, because I think it's beneficial for other people. The BI team and Sean did analysis. And what we realized is that the lower price point wasn't increasing new buyer conversion rate. It was just decreasing. The conversion rate was actually staying the same for the return buyer. They're just getting a lower price. So we didn't get new buyers, but our existing buyers were like, cool, lower price. Great. Which is less money for ads, less money for the partner, and less money for us. And so that, as we get to nine figures, is a deeper understanding. And the last thing I would say to go to the eight to nine figure mark is what is your marketing motion to consistently get new customers? What is the market? And this is something Moody Glasgow, who's our, our CMO advisor, he's from Zapier and he's been amazing. He's what's your marketing motion. And he's so annoying about it, which I love. And so our mo- marketing motion is what are products that bring people into the AppSumo ecosystem? So Million Dollar Weekend now is one of them. So we have it on AppSumo. People can get it. And then we have our AppSumo Originals products. So these are low-cost, affordable products that have a very expensive alternative publicly. It's 30% of our new customers coming through one of our Originals. And so our number one original is TidyCal, which is a cow-only alternative. It brings in cash-wise around $90,000 a month. And it's our number one acquisition channel, which is our own products. And so that is something for people out there is that what's your marketing motion that gets people into your door? What's your gateway candy? And we're literally launching a new one tomorrow that's a DocuSign alternative. So we're looking for viral products that we want and our customers want that also have an expensive alternative. We talked about doubling down. TidyCal worked, so we have one team on it. And now we're hiring a separate team to try launching even more new of these AppSumo original products.
0: And will they eventually buy more expensive products? What's the backlog there?
1: So what's interesting is that they come in through TidyCal or they come in through the Million Dollar Weekend book. And then they're like, what else here at AppSumo? The margins on our own products are amazing. There's just, we don't have the team, nor is it really our, our focus, right? It's a marketing motion. But there's all these other products like Neuron Writer or Chat based or Cast Magic, or Unschooler, where we just have so many other products. These products bring them in and more or less break even. And then those products are where we get our profit from, where we get the real lifetime value of these customers.
0: You mentioned your key buyers are solopreneurs. So... To hit your revenue goals, how did you figure out that market is A, big enough to carry you to that goal, uh, and B, aren't cash poor, likely to complain, <laughs> high refund rate? Basically, classically, they call it, it's a bad market. Like, you should go after big companies.
1: Yeah, I just fucking love them, man. I love them. It's my people. It's the underdogs. It's the, I was fired people that have a dream and have a day job and want to make a change. And we've gone mid market. We've tried to do the HubSpot thing, and we've tried that, and it just doesn't feel right. It just feels off. It's a different business. We've done analysis around the size of these markets, and one way to look at it is if you even had to estimate how many solopreneurs or people that are entrepreneur curious, aka entrepreneurs, are out there—millions, few million. How many people want to be entrepreneurs now more than ever? A lot last year had 100,000 unique buyers. Just to give you perspective, so there's still a lot of upside. Noah mentions the
0: importance of recognizing markets that others may deem as unworthy of their time. Similar to Bernat Ferrero of Factorial HR, targeting European markets instead of the US. Here's Bernat discussing exactly this from a
1: recent episode. Well, we are targeting almost every SMB. And when you make the numbers, any European country is a billion dollar market more than a billion dollar market. So it doesn't make any sense to think that the only market is the U.S. Of course, it's the biggest in the world, especially for software. But if you look at Europe, there are many, many huge markets as well. So we started targeting the European markets. There are trade-offs. We have a 26% return rate because we also offer a a 60-day guarantee return policy. And so we have a lot to to give those people. We encourage the return because we want them to try it out, not abuse it. But it's also, a, it's a sizable market and it's the people I want to see succeed. And I, I think that's where people get backward sometimes is that they're like, what's the market that has the most money that I can get the most out of? I see this a lot lately. What's the business model I can copy? I'll do a subscription model. No customer cares about subscription. <laughs> I think where people need to figure out, and you've done a great job of this, Pep, as well is sustainability. So yes, we have customers. I think our customers generally buy four times a year at most. It's who we plan on focusing on and sticking with for I don't know, next thousand years. Noah talks about
0: the importance of light-use customers, a philosophy supported by Byron Sharp in his book, How Brands Grow. Sharp points out that for many big brands, a significant portion of their sales comes from light users, not just the heavy loyal ones. In the case of Coca-Cola, as with many other brands, a large number of customers might only purchase Coke once a month. The success of a brand like Coca-Cola is not merely due to a small group of highly loyal customers, but also the vast number of individuals who purchase their products only occasionally.
1: The idea that our, that we can extract growth out of loyalty, out of targeting our heaviest customers and that they are our most important customers. In, in actual fact most customers for any brand are very, really very light. They don't, they don't buy the category that often and of course they buy the brand so they don't get around to buying us very often and, and these are the, the major source of growth. So it's it's vital that you reach non-customers. Uh, reach is, is absolutely paramount. It's a constant battle for attention. Your consumers are loyal, but they're not super passionately loyal. You are not the only brand for them, and they can easily forget about you.
0: So this means marketing is terribly important. Brands should focus on attracting and retaining light users, rather than concentrating solely on increasing loyalty among a smaller group of heavy users getting more people to buy the brand is a more effective strategy for growth than trying to increase the purchasing frequency within a smaller consumer base. When you look back at your entrepreneurial career, what
1: are your top three pieces of advice you would give to your fellow B2B founders? The biggest one for me by far is sticking with it. Just stick with it. It's so freaking hard to find something that works. So if you find something that people are excited to pay you for, stick with it. And if you can't stick with it, pay someone else to do it. And most people do the opposite. They find something that doesn't work or they're begging someone to pay and they stick with that very long. And they're like, yeah, business sucks. I'm burnt out. I'm like, yeah, because you didn't find something people actually want and then you didn't stick with it. I would just say patience. I'm so fucking impatient to get to these destinations. Get me rich. Get me subs. Get me this. It almost always works out and it doesn't have to be so painful along the way. We make it so hard on ourselves. Oh, man, I'm not rich here. I'm, this person, just chill out for one second and it's going to work out. Stick with it and be patient with that. Number two, I don't think people realize how hard it is to find something people actually want. I've tried so many businesses, but when you find the thing that works, you just do that over and over again. And so again, I'd, I'd say the second part is find something people are excited to pay you for. That's so hard. And the third piece, if I could go back and do all of this over, probably have a lot more fun, Pep. I've had a lot of fun these past few years. I'd say the past three or four years, but I really was mean to myself the whole way through, that I wasn't more successful, that I wasn't more famous, that people didn't like me, or why am I getting fired? Or why am I doing these things? And it's the same coin, just the other side. And so I I would encourage everyone just enjoy it a little bit more. When people email me now through Million Dollar Weekend, they're like, dude, I got a customer. I'm like, fuck yes. They're like, I know, but it's only a hundred bucks. I'm like a hundred, that's more than zero. Most people never get one. Just enjoy the journey more. See about it. most of this business stuff is helping other people. Like you're teaching people how to have these different businesses and how to do marketing. You're helping companies convert more customers so they can get more money and then the customers get the products. Have fun with it. So how did AppSumo win? One, they focused on their core market and what that audience needs. I am about low cost, high value. Just for AppSumo, that's something that we've stayed true. We stayed just very focused on taking good quality products, very affordable prices consistently. I don't think there's enough sexiness about longevity and consistency in business. Two, they focused on finding a repeatable go-to-market motion. To go to the eight to nine figure mark is what is your marketing motion to consistently get new customers? And so our marketing motion is what are products that bring people into the AppSumo ecosystem. We have our AppSumo Originals products. So these are low cost, affordable products that have a very expensive alternative publicly. It's 30% of our new customers coming through one of our originals. And
0: three, they prioritize customer acquisition by really
1: focusing on what works. We'll go extreme on the things that work. The real secret is what's working and how much of it are you doing? For AppSumo, we had areas that worked, like ads we tested and it worked, and then affiliates tested and it worked. And then now there's a, a business intelligence team, which is a million dollars a year to run for the salaries and the software dedicated to really around those two areas. Just scaling out our ads and scaling out affiliate. And that's how you win. I'm Pep La. For more tips on how to win, follow me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Thanks
0: for listening.